This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 580 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. The league goes universal. It's blue and gold Rashomon, Roddy McDowell, supervillain. This is Mandroid Ron reporting, Unteens Unite, taking a weird angle on Poe, and industry news. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, November 21st, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Justice League, Last Ride, number 7 of 7 by Zdarsky, Mendonca, and Angiolini. We haven't been talking much about this since issue 1, mostly because this could have been 2-3 to three issues tops. There's a lot of filler. A quick review... This is the classic lineup, yet slightly in the future, when a battle with Darkseid results in the death of Martian Manhunter. Clark blames Bruce for the death, and there's a rift between the two. The League has been brought back together for one more job, involving taking Lobo to justice. This will also somehow resuscitate the Green Lantern Corps. Got it? Well, the final issue begins with a ghostly John Johns, who's been trapped in a pit with parademons, but recent events have freed his spirit to fight Darkseid again. The new god is suffused with GL powers. Um, You can just take this as red, I guess. Clark's blood is poisoned with kryptonite, and Bruce takes a hit intended for Clark from a Brainiac-Eradicator hybrid. John and John Stewart, the Green Lantern, not the Daily Show host, team up to attack Darkseid, and Hal Jordan comes off the sidelines as well. Lobo, who was there to complete a contract, has done so. So, Diana slices his head off. Zarninians can regrow their bodies from their heads. So just as Darkseid pulls out his final card, Hal arrives with green constructs of all the leagues throughout history. Battle, 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 lather, rinse, repeat. Darkseid is hoist by his own petard with Hal's help, and it's all over. The former apocalypse is now New Oa, and the Green Lantern Corps is being rebuilt by Hal and John. The Trinity agrees the League is still needed, but has a new mission, Justice League Universal. Reportedly, there will be a sequel to this mini with that title. It did start promising, but took way too long to make it to the finish. Blue and Gold, number four of eight by Jurgens, Sook, Maguire, and Rapman. Michael and Ted are being interviewed on TV about their latest venture, Blue and Gold Restoration, with social media commenting all the way. The concept is there are plenty of people who are convinced that bizarre things have happened to them and need help resolving it, but mainline heroes just think they're nuts. This is where B&B come in. This seems like a terrible idea. Either customers won't have the money to pay or will be suckered into paying for a problem that's maybe mental in nature. 
Anyway, the interview seems to be going well until the question comes up, when did you become friends? We veer into Rashomon territory, where each have a version of how it happened. The overall concept is the same. Just after the Bwahaha GLI was formed, they were sent on patrol, probably to get them out of the office. Blackguard attacks, a battle is waged, and one of them saves the other. Of course, Booster makes it sound like he's the main hero, begged to join the JLI, with Ted as his sidekick, and Ted sees it in the opposite way. In both cases, they team up and agree that the team ship works. During all of this, social media comments are coming in, with several from a GG who disparages both stories and says, It's time to set the record straight. Of course, Gigi is Guy Gardner, who drops into the interview, then has his ring, which records everything, play what actually happened. Batman saw the battle on his monitor and sent Gigi to clean things up. Blue and gold, now remember that's how it happened. Gigi bugs out, and the interview is closed, only to find there's a line around the block of people who need their help. I have the brain of Quazo in my bag, and I'm ready for surgery. Sure as shoot and hope they can get me back to 1842. Quite certain that Agent 37 of the Sorcerers of Hell is after me. Unfortunately, Omnizon, who watched the interview, wants to jump the line. Oh, and most of the DC Comics this week included a preview of a new Bad Girl series starring Stephanie and Cassandra. The artwork seems really frenetic. Batman vs. Bigby, A Wolf in Gotham, Book 3, from DC Black Label, by Willingham, Level, Lyston, and Loffridge. The literary gang steals a bunch of bookmobiles and uses them to crash into libraries, bookstores, and rare book collections, creating a number of fires as seen last issue. Bruce and Bigby see this, and the former calls in all the Robins to assist in search and rescue, while the latter runs off turns into his wolf persona, and goes into the explosions to save people. When a citizen explains this weird wolf being to the cops, they assume he's delirious. Bruce meets up with Gordon and the mysterious cop from out of town. He notes that the actual damage is minimal. Books on shelves are generally poor fire starters. He also notes that his sources say all the major villains and gangs are as confused as they are. Bruce suspects Bookworm, a minor villain mostly seen in the 60s Batman series played by Roddy McDowell, that he is involved, and in retrospect, he might be right. He then goes off saying about the wolf, I'm going to hunt it down and kill it. A group of Robins, led by Dick, force the wolf toward the city dump. At one point, they hear it talk, and Dick refers to it as the classic fog of battle. Bruce meets the wolf at the dump along with a knockout gas cannon, which Bigby shrugs off. The wolf is upon Bruce in the final panel. Now we'll finish this tiny superhero. Frankly, this could have been boiled down to a few pages rather than a whole issue. Mm -hmm. Not All Robots number four from AWA Upshot by Russell, Diodato Jr., and Lawfridge. Well, the mandroids are now shipping, and the ruling council thanks the old robots for all their hard work. Unfortunately, they're now obsolete. Those of you who have been terminated should receive an auto-text message shortly, but again, thank you. Overnight, mandroids have taken over all the jobs except the cops. Mandroids are programmed to abhor violence. The robot cops go through sensitivity training. 
The new show, Talkin' Bot, discusses what will happen to all the old robots. Could they be a threat? Back at Inhuman Resources, the mom from our family learns she can't get anything from trading in their old bot. When she explains how scared she is of Snowball, and he replies, I hear you. The answer's still no, but I hear you. The Anti-Robot League is making plans for a rally with the dad unsuccessfully ordering his kids not to join, while the mom goes and talks to Snowball directly, hoping that by laying the cards on the table, violence can be avoided. The rally, with news reporter Mandroid Ron on the scene, begins peacefully until a mob of old robots arrive with torches and weapons. User unfriendly. User unfriendly. There's a riot, and the mom joins in with a hairdryer designed to knock out robots magnetically. At one point, the Mandroid reporter is skewered while trying to play the whole thing down. At this point, the question comes up. If the old robots had been running things for so long and control the police, why are they now angry? They imagined that their boss's power was their power. Now all they have is an illusion of that power. Message coming in, so... Snowball is taken out by the mom with a large construction vehicle, a.k.a. Aliens Ripley, and a parts reclamation truck scoops him up. Of course, the mom is arrested by the robot cops. No effort, even if it fails, is ever truly wasted. It either changes the world into what it needed to become, or it changes us into what we needed to be. To be concluded. The Unbelievable Unteens number four of four from Dark Horse by Lemire and Crook. The story from the World of Black Hammer concludes. Each of the ex-heroes go back to their normal lives. Jane can't handle it and decides to find Jack. He's about to walk into hell to save Snapdragon when the horseless rider appears to advise him against it, but he does it anyway. Carl visits Jane. His wife sees that something is wrong and he needs to deal with things. Back in hell, Jack has found Snappy under the control of the White Wraith. Carl and Jane break into the hospital hoping to get a sign from the comatose girl. Instead, Carlos confronts them, stating that they're living a fantasy. This is reality. When Jane says they can save her together, he replies, we were never together. Back in hell, Snapdragon attacks Jane and her body in reality goes into spasms. She's waking up now and so are we. They hold hands, are transported to hell, and the fight is on. Unteens unite! They take out the wraith, Snapdragon awakes, and they move to return her to Earth. Unfortunately, with Jack being a ghost, they wouldn't be together, so she stays with him and her earthly body dies. The rest of the team reappear on Earth and say their goodbyes, along with apologies. Carlos and Jane might go out for coffee, though. Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Death Number 2 from Ahoy Comics by Motter, Interlandi, Scott, Lofridge, Jaunty, Geary, Onyika, Cotto, Sumberg, and Anne McAndrew. We start off with Chess Player, where Poe sees the mechanical Turk beat chess masters. He's convinced it's a trick. Poe writes a scathing review, and the owner shows him that it is, in fact, nothing there but gears. Of course, we learn that it is, in fact, a scam. The owner swears revenge and makes a mechanical Poe that writes poetry. Angle of the Odd sees a modern writer trying to find an angle to adapt one of Poe's works, and a cartoon angle pops up to help him out. We see a musical with a Greek chorus ending in a disaster, Poe as a stand-up, Poe in a slice-of-life high school anime, Poe in found footage, and finally Poe as kaiju. 
What could make these ridiculous ideas work? Alcohol. As with the other Ahoy books, there's text stories to round out the issue. We do have some industry news. As if diamond distributors didn't have enough problems, they were the victim of a ransomware attack last week, shutting down their servers and much of their operation. Some LCSs got their comics late, if at all. Our LCS seems to be spared, at least so far. Diamond reportedly did not pay the ransom, spending time syncing up their backups instead. Why didn't they pay? Apparently, the ransomers asked for more money than the company was worth. Bad planning on all sides. And in one of the major media licenses for the industry, Star Wars, it's going to return to Dark Horse, at least for all ages content. Now, Dark Horse had the license for decades, but lost it to IDW in 2017. Now it's going back to Dark Horse. Of course, it's strange that Disney didn't just move it to Boom Studios, considering they partly own that company. Hmm. Mm. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.